Okay, I just wanted to make sure I didn't accidentally mute myself again. <laughs> okay, hi. Had a little pop in guest for a second. Um, already. Already, yes. Welcome to History of Haunting, where we have pop in guests and sometimes ghosts. Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. I'm Carrie. I'm Laura. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm tired. How are you? Yeah, I'm tired too. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long weekend for me because we did. You did a lot this um, weekend. Yeah, we went to Billie Eilish. I took my niece and Saturday night, which concerts are late. I'm old and make me sleepy. Um, it was <laughs> so good, though. That was really, it was really yeah. fun. Um, and then I went to, yeah, a Cubs game yesterday. Oh, yeah. How was that? Great. We had seats like right behind home plate and um they won so that was awesome yay it was super fun went with my dad and oh good um zane and everybody so it was really fun yay good times yeah yeah how was your weekend it was good um it didn't really do a whole lot we did some housework and i wrote several episodes for the podcast and other than that just kind of hung around i um i've been feeling kind of tired and run down and i have more tests that await me tomorrow morning starting at 8 30. just my neuropathy in my feet and my neurologist is really going making sure that all the tests are done so i've got two ct scans and mri and all kinds of stuff tomorrow morning so i'm just kind of tired and run down and hoping that they find out what's wrong with me so they can give me drugs so that I can get my life back. <laughs> I'll take them all. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> You'll so, take them just for fun. <laughs> I mean, I will. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. Yeah. Give me some of the good stuff. Um, yeah. So I just really didn't do a whole lot this weekend. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's it. I can't think of anything yeah, else right. I did worth talking <laughs> about. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so it was a nice weekend, though. It just went by too quickly, as they all do. As they all do. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, anyway, I don't have a whole lot of EVPs this week, uh, as we call them, endless vocal prattling. We do want to promote Dirt Days, you guys. That is coming up at the end of this month already. Um, So Dirt Days is a festival in Williamson, West Virginia. We are proud to be silver sponsors of Dirt Days. And it's basically... A trail riding extravaganza weekend throughout the Hatfield and Moikoi. Nope. McCoy Trails. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, the Hatfield and McCoy Trails uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains of West Virginia. And um, some of the trails go into Kentucky. And it's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to have a parade and fireworks and live music. And they're going to have a mud pit. And they're going to have, good God, food and all just all kinds of really fun stuff. And um, if you book before, I believe it's the 13th of April. If you reserve your tickets, you book early, you get a goodie bag with t-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff from the sponsors, including your very own, where is it? I had it out. Here it is. Here we go. Wait, hang on. Your very own history of a haunting koozie. Which, I mean, what else could you want in life, really? 
really. Um, so yeah, go ahead and um, you know, I hope hopefully you guys can go. I was going to go. Laura and I were planning on going, but um, there have been some other like investigations and trips and things like that. And my travel budget is petite. It's wee. So I, <laughs> I chose um, some other investigations um, like. Penhurst and Brushy and um, that I wanted to do and unfortunately I wasn't able to make um, Dirt Days work but we definitely want you guys to go we think it's going to be a really great time and hopefully next year we'll be able to to join them because it'll be a lot of fun I think so I think it's a lot of fun too. I wish I was going. Yeah, I know. It's just I a little bit only far imagine. For me. It is a little bit far. Um, I did try to get you to buy a house back here, but no, you wanted to be near <laughs> your family. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully next year we can we can we can make it. But other than that, yeah, Dirt Days guys, uh, you can book them. You can find the link through their official Facebook page or go to Tug Valley Tug Valley Area CVB.com, I believe. Tug area Tug Valley yeah, Tug Valley Area CVB.com. So uh that's all I have for EVPs. Do you have anything? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well then let's just get into the show, you guys. This one's a really creepy one. If it if the research creeped me out, probably gonna be pretty severe for you guys. Because it doesn't take a lot to creep me out. But we are covering the Japanese tsunami ghosts this week. And um, Laura, this is one of your suggestions. It uh, This is a good one. This uh, is a good one. Thanks. Yeah, I, um, I did. Um, I've been watching the Unsolved Mysteries here and there. Uh, the I meant to do Netflix. that. Uh, I meant to do and, that. And um, this is one of them that they, they do talk about. And I was fascinated. Yeah. Absolutely fascinated. Um, yeah. After Me I too. saw that, and I was like, "We have to do a show. We have to like learn more about this." It's, yeah, um, it was a great idea. Good job. It was a great yeah, idea. It's sad. It's but it's also um, kind of hopeful in a weird way, and also you know, kind of yeah. It's just there's a lot of mixture stuff with it, but it yeah. is. Um, it's just a fashion fascinating phenomenon. It it really is, and I do remember when the tsunami happened, um, but I did not know about these tsunami ghosts so this is going to be a really good one why don't you go ahead and get it started with your sources i think i put them in there correctly all right (laughs) my sources are botanica.com and rooters.com oh wow all right so it's an archie list of sources just (laughs) petite petite well there's only so much stuff you can kind of say about what happened i mean yeah and it's not it isn't really really great at all so I've got some pictures to show everybody and make them sad. I can't even imagine. So okay. tell us what happened that day. All right. So when the tide finally receded, the world had changed. Trucks and houses had been swept aside like children's toys, leaving the living to comb through a wasteland of mud and debris for their dead. Eleven years on, the living are still searching, their grief never subsiding. A father lives alone in a house at the end of a long driveway lined with cherry trees. He surrounds himself with books on the disorder that isolated his younger son in his room, unable to flee even when his mother begged him to evacuate as the tsunami roared towards them. Goddamn. A mother is haunted still by the cries of stranded children, maybe even her own, calling out for help in the darkness. 
Even now, she carries around a laminated schedule of her daughter's kindergarten bus as if to prove that this six-year-old should still be alive. Yeah. A wife never gave up hope that her husband would return to her. In scribbled letters on the back of calendars, she chided her husband for staying away, sometimes writing his imagined response, encouraging her to go on with him. These are just some of stories of survivors yeah. that are still grappling, grappling with what happened that day. So, God, March eleventh, two thousand and eleven, um, an earthquake hit Japan. Um, the event began with a powerful earthquake off the northeastern coast of Honshu, Japan's main island. Which caused widespread damage on land and initiated a series of large tsunami waves that devastated many coastal areas of the country, most notably in the Tahaku region, yeah, which is in the northeastern part of the largest island of um, Japan. Right. <clears throat> the tsunami also instigated a major nuclear accident at a power station along the coast. So the magnitude 9.0 earthquake struck at 2:46 p.m. The epicenter was located some 80 miles east of the city of Sendai, Miyagi Prefecture, and the focus occurred at a depth of 18.6 miles below the floor of the Western Pacific Ocean. Good God. So that was seems like that was fairly deep, but at 9.5. Yeah. That's, I mean, um, when do you ever hear about that? Never. Ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the earthquake was caused by the rupture of a stretch of the subduction zone associated with the Japan Trench, which separates the Eurasian plate from the subducting Pacific plate. Okay. So the March 11th um, tremor was felt as far away as Russia, Taiwan, and Beijing, China. Okay. It was preceded by several foreshocks, including a magnitude 7.2 event. So before the big one, there was like shakes that were coming up to 7.2 that's usually a huge earthquake in still pretty huge yeah yeah so um there are also hundreds of aftershocks dozens um that had a magnitude of 6.0 or greater jesus and two that had a magnitude of 7.0 and greater um so those followed in the days and weeks after the main quake okay um there were. There was also um, two years later. There was a, another seven point three that came from that same area. That had to terrify those people. Right. I mean, they're used to the earthquakes in Japan. It's fairly common, but these are huge. And it yeah. seems like that particular. The reason I bring that up is it seems like that particular area of the plates is still can still be quite active. Okay. So March eleventh. The earthquake was the strongest to strike the region since the beginning of record keeping in the late 19th century. Yeah, it's considered one of the most powerful earthquakes ever recorded. My God. It was later reported that a satellite orbiting the outer edge of Earth's atmosphere that day had detected infrasonics, which are very low frequency sound waves from the quake. Whoa, seriously. That's fucking far. That's... <laughs> <laughs> and our professional take is that's fucking far. Right. It's, far it's far. That's really fucking far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my scientific <laughs> measure. We're quite the geologists. <laughs> Here it is, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> um, the sudden hot horizontal and vertical thrusting of the Pacific Plate. Um, displaced the water above and spawned a series of highly destructive tsunami waves. 
a wave okay. measuring some 33 feet high inundated the coast and flooded parts of the city of Sendai, including its airport and the surrounding countryside. According to some reports, one wave penetrated some six miles inland after causing the Notori River, which separates Sendai from the city of Notori yes. to the south, to overflow. I've seen that picture. I don't have it here because, mm-hmm. again, bad pos- pod- podcaster, guys. But I've seen it. You can see it, too. Just yeah. Google it. That's mm-hmm. fine. Here's what I do have. Right. You can just see the destruction. And I know a lot of us saw are old enough to remember that the, the sites yeah. on the news um, of just the wave coming up and just literally taking every single thing in its wake. It, yes. You know, just everything was gone. Yes. I mean, here's a there classic you go. example. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, damaging tsunami waves struck the coast and Fukushima, um, Ibaraki, and Chiba, the prefectures extending along the Pacific coast south of Miyagi. As the floodwaters retreated back to the sea, they carried with them enormous quantities of debris as well as thousands of victims caught in the deluge. Large stretches of land were left submerged unregularly in lower lying areas. Jesus. Yeah, the earthquake triggered tsunami warnings throughout the Pacific. So yeah. the tsunami raced outward from the epicenter at speeds that approached about 500 miles per hour. Jesus. Right. I don't think... It, I never knew it was that fast. So it generated yeah. waves 11 to 12 feet high um, along the coast of Kauai and Hawaii and the Hawaiian Islands chain and five feet waves along the island of Shemya and the Aleutian Islands chain. Several hours later, nine-foot tsunami waves struck the coast of California, Oregon, in North America. God damn. Right. Finally, some 18 hours after the quake, waves roughly one foot high reached the coast of Antarctica and caused a portion of the Soulsberger ice shelf to break to off break its off. outer edge. Yes, that's right. I saw mm. that. Holy shit. Nothing was I mean, that's just... untouched by this thing. Nothing in right. no one. If, yeah. if it could go, it went. I mean, that's how strong these waves were. That they, I mean, they went all the way to fucking Antarctica. Yeah, and it went on for. I mean, as far as like for the after effect of it, not necessarily waves and stuff like that, but like weren't boats and stuff from Japan washing up on West Coast shores? And um, like, I think later, yeah, like yeah, even maybe that, like years mm-hmm. later, stuff that had been carried out to sea. We're washing up on like the shores of California or something. I would, yeah, I would believe it. I mean, that yeah. does happen even with shipping containers. Like random shit will just start <laughs> showing up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and after how much stuff got pulled out, um, yeah, off the land from this, and, and and the ships that got pushed in and then pulled back out. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine now. Yeah. Yeah. For so sure. the initial reports of casualties following the tsunami put the death toll in the hundreds, with hundreds more missing. Uh, the numbers in both categories increased dramatically in the following days as the extent of the devastation, especially in the coastal areas, became known and rescue operations got underway. Within two weeks of the disaster, the Japanese government's official count of deaths had exceeded 10,000. Uh, more than one and a half times that number were still listed as missing and presumed dead. Jesus. By then, it was evident that the earthquake and tsunami one of the deadliest natural disasters in Japanese history, mm. rivaling the major earthquake and tsunami that had occurred off the coast um, of Iwat Prefecture in June of 1896. Damn. As a search for victims... Yeah, right? 
Um, and now we have so much more technology. I mean, it's not that mm -hmm. there yeah. were so many mistakes that were made when that ha the tsunami hit. Yeah. Um, that so many deaths that could have been prevented, unfortunately. Yeah. And I def I um, do remember when the nuclear power plant, like, I remember when that became a massive issue and thinking, what, what does this mean? What is, mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. Just, I'm going to touch on it just okay. because it does. It affects all of us. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, what for happened. sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if you don't think that if this doesn't get you, right. <laughs> you couldn't be affected. But yeah. Um, all right. Uh, where was I? Okay. As the search for victims continued, the official count of those confirmed dead are still missing rose to about 28,500. However, as more people thought to be missing were found to be alive, that figure began to drop. So by the okay. end of 2011, it had been re reduced to about 19,300. Jesus. Um, yeah. I mean, people were so spread out into these um, emergency shelters Yeah. Um, that it was hard for people to get reconnected with their families. Nobody had, you know. Sure. And I mean, to I get in imagine. touch with each other. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good God. It's just the devastation. Awful, awful, awful. Something in it's like the billions of, well, Japanese dollars. What is it? Yen. Yen. Uh, yeah. Um, I did see an estimate of how much it has cost them. And I think it was, it's in the hundreds of billions. Hundreds of billions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dollars. Yeah. American dollars. Like, yeah. you know, converted. Right. Um, Ultimately, the official. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait sorry, I lost my place again. Sorry, stopping and talking, and then I'm like. Um, so the coastal cities and towns, as well as vast areas of farmland in the tsunami's path, were inundated by swirling waters that swept enormous quantities of houses, boats, cars, trucks, and other debris along with them. As the extent of the destruction became known, it became clear how many thousands of people were missing, including in some cases half or more of a locality's population. God, jeez, wow, holy crap. <clears throat> so there were entire cities that were practically, I mean, wiped out. The population was just decimated in certain cities or towns. Yeah. Um, ultimately, the official total for the number of those confirmed dead or listed as missing from the disaster was about 18... Point five thousand. Um, although other estimates give a total of like twenty thousand. I think it's weird that we still don't know and it's still like that far apart. Yeah. Um, of those fewer than a hundred were from prefectures other than Iwat, Miyagi, and Fukushima. Miyagi Prefecture suffered the greatest losses with some ten thousand eight hundred killed or missing and another forty one hundred injured. Um, the great majority of those killed overall were drowning victims from the tsunami waves. Yeah. In addition, more than half of the victims were age 65 or older. Oh, God. Because they couldn't get away. Yeah. And Japan does have an... I mean, the Japanese live or some of the longest lives in the world, so... Yeah. Um, I mean, they do have an aged... A large aged population. Yeah. Um, of significant concern following the main shock and tsunami were the status of several nuclear power stations in the Tohoku region. The reactors of the three nuclear power plants closest to the quake's epicenter were shut down automatically following the tremor, um, which also cut the main power to those plants and their cooling systems. That's what it was. However, yes. Mm -hmm. Inundation by the tsunami waves damaged the backup generators at some of those plants, most notably the Fukushima Dashi number yep. one plant. Yeah. 
which is along the Pacific coast in Fukushima. Um, so with the power gone, the cooling systems failed in three reactors within the first days of the disaster. That's what it was. And their course mm-hmm, subsequently overheated, leading to partial meltdowns of the fuel rods. Um, melted material fell to the bottom of the containment vessels in reactors one and two and burned sizable holes through the floor of each vessel, which partially exposed, exposed the nuclear material in the cores. Explosions resulting from the buildup of pressurized hydrogen gas in the outer containment buildings Enclosing reactors one, two, and three, along with a fire touched off by rising temperatures and spent fuel rods stored in reactor four, led to the release of significant levels of radiation from the facility in the days and weeks following the earthquake. Workers sought to cool and stabilize the damaged reactors by pumping seawater and boric acid into them. That's right. Mm. So because of concerns over possible radiation exposure, uh, the Japanese official established an 18-mile no-fly zone around the facility, and an area of 12.5 miles around the plant was evacuated. Um, the evacuation zone was later extended to 18 miles. Um, and the residents were asked to like leave or stay indoors. The appearance of increased levels of radiation in some local food and water supplies prompted officials in Japan and overseas to issue warnings about their consumption. So... At the end of March, seawater near the Daishi Daishi facility was discovered to have been contaminated with high levels of radioactive iodine-131. The contamination stemmed from the exposure of pumped-in seawater to radiation inside the facility. So when they were pumping it it in to cool it down. To cool it down. Mm -hmm. Those water leaked back into the ocean through cracks and water-filled trenches and tunnels between the facility and the ocean. Jesus Christ. So there was a lot that was bad. Um, and kept and maybe, getting bad. <laughs> and this is just going from bad to worse. <laughs> yeah. There's some maps you can see online that, that talk about the how far the radiation spread through the Pacific Ocean. It's everywhere. Okay. In mid-April, Jap- um, Japanese nuclear regulators elevated the severity level of the nuclear emergency at the Fukushima facility from 5 to 7 the highest level on the scale created by the International Atomic Energy Association Agency, sorry, placing the Fukushima accident in the same category as Chernobyl. Oh my God. Yeah. Shit, I didn't know that part. Yeah. that's. I think it's been kind of understated how bad it was in a way. I mean, we have a lot more, there's a lot more safety protocols now and it was a very yeah. modern facility. Not like the one in 86 um, when that happened, you know, in Chernobyl. Right. Um, so there's a lot. I mean, it was lucky it wasn't worse, to be honest. But Yeah, but still. Um, yeah. I mean, lucky, luckily it was a modern plant and they had extra. Right, yeah. Stuff. Safety um, stuff. <laughs> like, not just protocols, but they the way that they build the sure. plants now is different. Yeah. Right, so. Um, radiation levels remained high in the evacuation zone, and it was thought that the area might not be in, might be in, uninhabitable for decades. However, several months after the accident, government officials announced that radiation levels in five towns located just beyond the original 12.5-mile evacuation zone had declined enough that they would allow residents to return to their homes. No thanks. Some people did come back, and some did not, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, understandable. 
I mean, London's um, looking pretty good. I think maybe we just stay here. <laughs> right. This is nice here. This is nice. They have a queen. <laughs> uh, attempts were made in several of the, those areas to remove the, the contaminated soil. Um, so in, it took to, until December, from March to December, um, to declare the facility stable after the shutdown of the reactors. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So, in the years following the accident, numerous leaks at the facility occurred at the site where contaminated reactor cooling water was stored. A significant leak occurred in August of 2013 that was severe enough to prompt Japan's Nuclear Regulation Authority to classify it as a level 3 nuclear incident. Good God. So, the good times just kept on rolling. And that is my history portion of... The that's quite an intro. Nuclear accident. Because who wouldn't want to follow that? One. Thank you. Wow. You're welcome. I tied it all up in a bow for you. You sure did. You sure did. Um, wow. Okay. All right. So we're gonna just get right into the ghost. If I could find the button that brings up my sources. Oh. Here it is, npr.org, allthingsinteresting.com, cosmopolitan.com, longreads.com, and mirror.co.uk. So, um, as we would all imagine, um, with so many people um, that were confirmed dead, people that were probably missing that they probably still haven't, I don't know, did you... Did they say that there are still some missing that are probably... Oh, there's a lot of bodies that they can't find because they were pulled out to the sea. That, so there's okay. a lot of... Um, the Japanese like to cremate. Um, it's their culture, so right. the issue is they don't have bodies to cremate, and that's... Um, yeah. So are they counting no... those as missing or dead? dead. Presumed dead. Yeah. Presumed dead, okay. At this okay. point, they're all dead, yeah. They, mm-hmm. I think they, they put them all into the category of deceased which makes sense. so much was pulled out to the ocean that they can't mm-hmm. they're not gonna find them yeah mm-hmm. and you know tsunamis are pretty crazy it's not just a really big wave but like when it happens it pulls it back out and then it comes rushing mm-hmm. back in and when it's done that as it's pulling it back it's pulling boulders and rocks and whatever's on the sea floor and then that's what's being pushed onto land with the giant wave. So it's not just like, mm-hmm. ah, big wall of water. No, ah, big wall of water with boulders and maybe a ship and maybe some mm-hmm. other bullshit in the ocean is coming well, with that's it. that's where you see those, yeah. I mean, you see those the, the pictures of the big giant ships like out onto, on top of houses. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. That's how that happens. That's how that happens. Yeah. So it's <laughs> just... Awful. So, as yeah. with all of the dead, <sighs> hauntingly, apologetically, and then with increasing fluency, the survivors spoke of the terror of the wave, the pain of bereavement, and their fears for the future. Uh, they also talked about encounters with the supernatural. They described sightings of ghostly strangers, friends and neighbors, and dead loved ones. They reported hauntings at home, at work, in offices, in public places, and on the beaches and in the ruined towns. These experiences ranged from eerie dreams and feelings of vague unease to cases like that of... And this name is... It's a fake name to protect this guy's actual identity, but Mm -hmm. Takeshi Ono. 
um, cases like his of outright possession. So um, the earthquake had quieter consequences that didn't make the headlines. And in um, the process of this, there was a guy named Richard Lloyd Perry who was living in Japan at the time. And he he went on to investigate this peculiar phenomenon revealed in the aftermath of the storm. And he wrote a book about it called Ghosts of the Tsunami. So people were reporting their neighbors, neighbors who died in the tsunami, appearing at their houses and coming in and sitting down in puddles of water. Um, Like I said, this guy has lived in Japan for 18 years and has known it to be a mostly secular culture. Uh, In global polls, Japan ranks as one of the least religious countries in the world. But there's a bit more to it than that. Um, There... You get used to seeing when you live there, you get used to seeing in the homes of friends and and their families, these little altars that you Mm -hmm. find to the family's ancestors. Um, And it's much more than just a quaint little piece of interior decoration. It's um, that the religion of the ancestors is alive and well and very, very strong in Japanese culture, which I knew, but I didn't know how strong it was until we researched this. So when opinion polls put the question, how religious are you? Japanese rang among the most, and I'm quoting this from the article, you guys. I did not write this part. But the Japanese rank among the most ungodly people in the world. It took a catastrophe for a lot of people to understand how misleading this assessment is. Um, Right. It is true that the organized religions, Buddhism and Shinto, have little influence on private or national life in Japan, but over the centuries, both have been pressed into the service of the true faith of Japan, the cult of the ancestors. So in Japan's spiritual beliefs, um, they're regarded as less expressions of faith than a simple common sense, so lightly and casually warned that it's actually easy to miss them altogether. Um, The dead are not as dead as they are in our own society, wrote one scholar by the name of Herman Ooms. It has always made perfect sense in Japan, as far back as history goes, to treat the dead as more alive than we do, even to the extent that dead becomes a variant, not a negation of life. So household altars or butsudan are what are still seen in most homes on which the memorial tablets of dead ancestors, which are called the ihai, are displayed. And these altars are cabinets of lacquer and gilt with openwork carvings of flowers and trees. And then the ihai are upright tablets of black lacquered wood, um, generally inscribed in gold. Uh, There are offerings of flowers and incense, food, fruit, and drinks are always placed before them. Um, At the summer festival of the dead, families light lanterns to welcome home the ancestral spirits. So at the heart of ancestor worship is a contract. The food, drink, prayers, and rituals offered by their descendants gratify the dead, who in turn bestow good fortune on the living. Families vary in how seriously they take these ceremonies, but even for people who are not very observant, the dead play a continuing part in domestic life in Japan. So for most of the time, their status is something like that of beloved deaf and slightly batty old folk who cannot expect to be the center of the family but who are made to feel included on important occasions 
um, young people who have passed important entrance exams, gotten a job, made on, uh, you know, got made a good marriage, um, they all kneel before these altars to report their success. Victory or defeat in an important legal case, for example, is shared with the ancestors and these altars in the same way. Um, when the grief is raw, the presence of the deceased is overwhelming. In households that had lost children in the tsunami, it became routine after... Um, this one author had met with the family for about half an hour for tea. It became common for them, this person to be asked if they would like to meet the dead sons and daughters. And this person would be led to a shrine covered with frames, photographs, toys, favorite drinks, snacks, letters, drawings, and school exercise books. One mother had commissioned um, carefully photoshopped portraits of her children, showing them as they would have been had they lived. A boy who died in an elementary school, smiling proudly in, in a high school uniform, and an 18-year-old girl as she should have looked in a kimono at her coming-of-age ceremony. I think this is all just horrible. Um, Sad. Yeah. Another decked the altar with makeup and acrylic fingernails that her daughter would have worn had she lived to become a teenager. Here, every morning, they begin the day by talking to their dead children, weeping love and apology as unselfconsciously as if they were speaking over a long-distance telephone line. So the tsunami did appalling violence to the religion of the ancestors, along with the walls and the roofs and the people and the water. They, it also carried away these household altars, these memorial tablets, and these family photographs. Cemetery vaults were ripped open by the wave, and the bones of the dead were scattered. Temples were destroyed, along with memorial books listing the names of ancestors over generations. The memorial tablets, it's difficult to exaggerate their importance. Um, when there's a fire or an earthquake, the Ehi are the first thing many people will save before money or documents in evacuating their homes. Wow. Yeah. And I think that people that died in the tsunami, I think the people that died in the tsunami because they went home for the Ehi, it's life, the life of ancestors. It's like saving your late father's life. So this individual thinks that a lot of people who probably had more than enough time to evacuate and escape went back mm -hmm. for these altars and these tablets. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they believe that when people die violently or prematurely in anger or in anguish, they are at risk of becoming gaki or hungry ghosts. These ghosts tend to wander between worlds, propagating curses and mischief. These, um, there are rituals for placating unhappy spirits, but in the aftermath of the disaster, few families were in a, per, uh, were in a position to perform these rituals. And then there was those ancestors who lost all of their living descendants in the wave. Their well-being in the afterlife depended entirely on the reverence of living families, which was permanently and irrevocably cut off, and their situation was as helpless as that of orphan children. Tsunamis anywhere destroy property and kill the living, but in Japan, they inflict a third kind of injury that is unique and invisible on the dead. At a stroke, thousands of spirits had passed from life to death. Countless others were cut loose from their moorings in the afterlife. How could they all be cared for? Sorry. I hate... I just... This okay. story is sad. Here It is really sad. It is. Um, <clears throat> and I have no tissue. <laughs> anywhere. 
Yeah, don't wear. Okay. Oh, well. We'll just do what Zane does, wipe it on your shirt. I mean, it's a new shirt. I don't want to do that. So you guys just have to watch me snot everywhere. Also, it's the pollen season here. Yeah. So there's yellow dust everywhere. And I'm constantly been blowing my nose. And I think I'm going to sneeze. We're going to be right back, guys. Sorry about that. We're back <laughs> with my Kleenex. <laughs> Um, so she can cry and have allergies at the same time. At the same time, yeah. I don't even think it's, it's not that I'm allergic to it. It's just, it's this fine dust. It's literally everywhere. Mm. You just can't help but breathe it in. So anyway, um, so who was to honor the compacts between the living and the dead in such circumstances? How could there fail to be a swarm of ghosts? Need to pause. So how could there fail to be a swarm of ghosts? Um, this Lloyd Perry, Richard Lloyd Perry, his story focuses on a Buddhist priest by the name of Reverend Tayo Kaneda. His temple was 30 miles away from the coastline. And soon after the tsunami, Kaneda had people coming to him with the bodies they wanted him to bury. He could sense that they had bottled up their pain. So he lent them a sympathetic ear. People's grief and loss and anguish came out. And what also came out after a few months were stories of ghosts and hauntings and supernatural events to the extent that it almost seemed like an epidemic. There were mainly ghosts of people that had died in the tsunami. For a lot of folks, it was simply strange and disturbing or sometimes comforting dreams about their lost loved ones. Other people who hadn't experienced loss saw Fuki's Fuki's figures? What? I'm not even <laughs> drinking tonight. Spooky figures. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta go get some wine. <laughs> this is clearly not working for me. They saw spooky figures <laughs> on the beach. I think that's a new sticker. Fuki's figures. There was one man who hated to go out in the rain he started to hate it when it rained and he hated to go out in the rain because he saw the eyes of people he loved in puddles i cannot imagine a more terrifying thing that's not comforting at all yeah Mm -mm. but then reverend canada also had a couple of even stranger cases of people who actually seemed to be possessed by spirits of people who died in the tsunami and one of those was a man named takashi ono and his it's not his real name but he didn't want to be identified by his real name. So he was a man, a very nice, ordinary kind of man who lived in the same town as Reverend Kanada. Kanada. Kanada? Shit. Kanada. I'm sure he's listening to this podcast and Reverend, I apologize. Um, the Sunumi. The Sunumi. What is happening, Laura? <laughs> oh my God. The Sunumi made. Fuki's figures. Figures. <laughs> These aren't even Japanese words I'm fucking up, Aaron. These are English words. Okay. The tsunami was miles away. He became aware that it was pretty bad after a week or so, and he decided to go down and have a look. He'd had no, he had driven down to the beach and was appalled by what he saw there because he had no idea that devastation was so bad. But he came back that evening, sat down for dinner with his family, had his tea and a can of beer, and then began rolling around on the ground making animal noises. He ran out into the field behind his house, rolling around in the mud, to the horror of his wife and his mother. He woke up the next day not knowing anything about his behavior, and this actually continued for three days. 
He was talking in a strange guttural way, threatening violence, talking about the dead. His family became so beside themselves that his wife wanted a divorce. So they eventually persuaded him to go to the priest who recited the Buddhist sutras and drove out these spirits. And he felt much better soon after that. But otherwise, it was... He wasn't even anybody that they had recognized. Really weird. Just by visiting that town. Uh So some additional sightings of these tsunami ghosts were in 2016. So what, five years after the Mm -hmm. earthquake and the tsunami, a graduate student of sociology named Yuka Kudo traveled to one of the cities most ravaged by the disaster, Ishinomaki. And in order to study this epidemic, she focused specifically on the town's cab drivers who claimed to have picked up passengers that turned out to be tsunami ghosts. So... Ishinomaki, that I can say, sure, (laughs) suffered 3,097 deaths and reported 2,770 missing persons. Um, A whopping 50,000 buildings had been destroyed there as well, which was from the pictures I was showing, like, look at that. (laughs) It's, yeah, everything is just sticks. Mm -hmm. It's, It's just sticks. It's, that's not sticks, that's me. <laughs> Sticks. Yeah. So 50,000 buildings had been destroyed there as well. The decimated city saw most of its population relocate with aimless cab drivers hoping for the best on their shifts. Out of the 100 cabbies that she had prodded for supernatural stories, only seven volunteered. The first cabbie told her of an encounter he had in the summer of 2011, so a few months after the earthquake and the tsunami. Um, and there was barely any customers at that point. Um, he was naturally shocked to suddenly spot a young woman hailing him down in a particularly hard hit area. Wearing a heavy winter coat in the middle of summer, the figure was also completely drenched. The driver barely had time to realize that it hadn't rained in days before she climbed into the back seat and asked to be driven to the largely abandoned. Oh, this one I'm going to mess up. Um, Mina Mihama district. That sounds pretty good. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. So she had asked to be driven to this largely abandoned Mina Mihama district. And he had told her that area is almost empty while he switched on the meter. Are you sure? There was a long silence. Then in a shivering voice, the woman asked him, have I died? The terrified driver turned around to face the customer, but found absolutely nothing nor anyone in his car. Another cabbie told this girl that he picked up a confused looking man in his 20s who kept pointing forward when asked where he needed to go. Finally, he simply said um, Hiyoriyama, a mountain park near the city. After careening up the mountain near Ishinomaki, the driver dropped his customer on a plateau at the summit, but when he turned around to be paid, there was nobody in his car. So this Lloyd Perry's investigative book also documents how um, in more depth than I talked about how this one man in Kurihara said that he doesn't he despises the rain because he constantly sees the eyes of his friends and family that died in the tsunami in the puddles, which I put that twice just because I thought it was creepy. 
there is so creepy this isn't any better either uh my part never is <laughs> um the ghost of an old woman is sent to haunt a refugee home in onagawa and to have regularly mm-hmm. sat down for a cup of tea there the cushion that would be left out for her was purportedly soaked in seawater every time her visits were over and in tagajo I'm guessing that's how you say that. One fire station mm-hmm. received incessant calls until firefighters drove to the caller's ruins to pray for the dead. Once they did that, the call stopped completely. There was also a... Wow, so- uh-huh. So, yeah. like, phantom calls from a house, and they finally went to go. Mm-hmm. And then they stopped after they prayed for the dead uh, that lived there. Um, there was a sighting of a lone woman by a number of people standing in the middle of nowhere wearing a scarlet red dress. Um, this, <laughs> this old neighbor that would appear at the refugee community and sit down um, for a cup of tea, nobody had the heart to tell her that she was dead. Um, mm-hmm. So they just kind of deal with it to that, this day. Let her keep coming. Right? Yeah. And it's been, what, 10 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 11. Um, 11. 11, yeah. Um, a young man complained of pressure on his chest at night as if some creature was straddling him as he slept. A teenage girl spoke of a fearful figure who squatted in her house. A taxi in the city of Sendai picked up a sad-faced man who asked to be taken to an address that no longer existed. Halfway through the journey, the driver looked into his mirror to see the rear seat empty. Uh, He drove on anyway, stopped in front of the leveled foundations of a destroyed house, and politely opened the door to let the invisible passenger out at his former home. I thought that was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... One one man said that religious people all argue about whether these are really the spirits of the dead. And he said, I don't get into it because what matters is that people are seeing them. And in these circumstances, after this disaster, it's perfectly natural. So many died and all at once at home, at work, at school. The wave came in and they were gone. The dead had no time to prepare themselves. The people left behind had no time to say goodbye. Those who lost their families and those who died, they have strong feelings of attachment and the dead are attached to the living and those who have lost them are attached to the dead. It's inevitable that there are ghosts after something like this. So as you had mentioned, um, Unsolved Mysteries, um, they had done an episode on this and um, Mm -hmm. they... Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They took a close look at the Okawa Elementary School. Where? Uh, they t- yeah. They- did they talk about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So of the 75 students who died while at the school during the tsunami, 74 were from Okawa. An unsettling truth that led parents to rail against larger bureaucratic failures, of which I'm not going to get into in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one Japanese magazine reported that after the disaster, kids would dare one another to travel to the elementary school grounds in search of the students' ghosts. I think that's awful. But I can actually see my friends and I doing that. Um, <laughs> I think that's typical kid stuff. Though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. One mother of, of an Okawa student consulted with a psychic, and they traveled together to the school grounds. And after the mother tied decorations to the surrounding bamboo trees, the psychic told her the deceased children were delighted with them. 
Mm-hmm. But he also described horrifying scenes uh, from the veneer between life and death, describing that the dead were crawling on the ground near the school. Some of them were stuck in the water, covered in mud and swallowing dirty water in terrible suffering. Some of them were trapped and trying to get out. I can't imagine somebody telling this to a mother. Right. I would be so horrified. I would have been like, you probably could have kept that to yourself. Um Another medium, this person's name was Sumi, told this same mother a different story. She said, you might think that the kids want their parents to find them, that they are desperate to go back home, but they are already home. They are already in a very good place. And the more you bury yourselves in the search, the more desperate you will become. Some even reported seeing cues of ghostly figures waiting patiently outside the rubble, which had been previously a supermarket before it was flattened by the tsunami. Um... A psychiatrist in the city of Ishinomaki, one of the area's worst hit by the waves, um, said the places where people say they see ghosts are largely those areas completely swept away by the tsunami. One man um, who was a father of two, Sinichi Yamada, said the frightening phenomenon following the tsunami seemed all too real when he and his children tried to rebuild their lives. He said that he had escaped from the waves that, that destroyed his home and later salvaged two Buddhist statues from the wreckage of his house. But when he brought them back to the temporary housing where he lived, he said strange things began to happen. He claimed that his two children suddenly got sick and an inexplicable chill seemed to follow the family throughout the house. He said that a couple of times when I was lying in bed, I felt something walk across me, stepping on my chest. The worried dad, along with many others in the aftermath of the tsunami, felt that there was only one place that he could turn, and that was to an exorcist. And that was a number of these these spiritual leaders this like this reverend who helped the one guy whose wife and mother were freaked out by his growling and rolling around in the mud um another individual by the name of kansho iwaza has helped countless families deal with the ghosts following the tsunami and says that she has seen many apparitions herself she explained there are headless ghosts some are missing hands or legs and others are cut completely in half i can't think of anything more terrifying um people were killed in so many different ways during the disaster and they were left like that in limbo so it takes a heavy toll on us we see them as they were when they died immediately after the tragedy people sought the exorcist's help to make sure their loved ones were happy in the afterlife but that changed as time went on she said at first people came here wanting to find the bodies of their dead family members then they wanted to find out exactly how the person died as if and if their spirit was at peace they've started wanting to transmit their own messages to the dead for Yamada his problems ended when he built a shrine for the two Buddhist statues and he regularly prays for them the father is still convinced that they are haunted but now believes through his caring actions the spirits are finally at peace so Perry this gentleman that I spoke of at the beginning he theorizes that the widespread phenomenon of tsunami ghosts is likely the manifestation of a nation processing its collective trauma and grief but as he puts it 
Grief and trauma express themselves often very indirectly. You can talk to people and visit communities, which on the face of it seem to be fine, but the pain can either be very raw, very awful, such as these stories. The issue isn't whether you believe in ghosts and he couldn't say that he still couldn't say that he does, but it's whether you believe in the extraordinary power and physicality of grief. <clears throat> Coastal towns across Japan have indeed found other creative ways to grieve. For instance, the town of Otsuchi installed a phone booth called the Phone of the Wild on top of a hill overlooking the ocean that allows those in mourning to send messages to their loved ones in another realm. Which I thought was really a beautiful thing to do for these people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> This man named Dr. Charles R. Figley of the School of Social Work at Tulane University confirmed that trauma shared by the masses often produces strange collective reactions. It's not uncommon for fellow survivors of catastrophic loss and dislocation to have common reactions, be they paranormal, nordal? Paranormal, Laura. <laughs> My God. Be they paranormal sightings, sounds, or smells, he said. Ghosts, for some reason, are more tolerable than the void created by death. And that are the Japanese tsunami ghosts, which I think is just the most tragic thing I've ever freaking had to research. And I did yeah. Lori. That was it's different. Really that was a whole different kind of tragic, though. <laughs> I, uh, it's awful. Yeah. I didn't think I would get choked up telling this story, but damn, I'm glad I have my little Kleenex. Wrap yeah, it up. And I think it's. <laughs> Do your part. I, I remember hearing stories about the taxi cab drivers that these people thought they thought that they were trying to get home to their. Yes. Have I died? To home to their families. Yeah. They're I trying to go even. home yeah. and they can't get home. And they can't get home. Um. I just yeah, and that seems to be the like the, the kind of thread that kind of continues with the taxis. And the yeah. one thing I find very interesting is that no matter what city, it, it seems the taxi cab thing was happening a lot, but mm -hmm. um, in different places. But the stories are all like super similar. Yeah, they pick people up, then they disappear. You know, they tell them where to go, and then they disappear. Yeah, just awful. Yeah. I think the guy that sees the eyes of his dead friends and family in rain puddles is horrifying. I think that's horrifying. And of, yeah. And the stories of loss that, that I kind of talked about at the beginning of my part too was yeah. just, but that's, those are three people. There are thousands of people who lost yeah. all of their family, some of their family, you know, and besides that... their entire neighborhoods, their neighbors, their co-workers there um yes know. and think about how we are constantly talking about how emotion and energy it 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 can be left in the walls of a building in the in it can just be left in a location mm -hmm. and so think about places like trans allegheny places like you know where prisons like Brushy Mountain and Moundsville have had Alcatraz have had all of this really horrible stuff happen within the walls that it's almost not really surprising if some of that anger that emotion that sadness that torture that bleeds over 
and that energy becomes kind of embedded in the walls. Now imagine an entire country collectively grieving and what that's putting out into the ether of spirituality and the energy that it is in the created way that in these grief. people died yes. and so many of them you know like so yeah. you have all of that energy in there too mm-hmm. plus the yeah the grieving of their families and yeah what have been. it's just really awful so while i say bravo on the idea <clears throat> this is a terrible story <laughs> So I'm really just sad. I really didn't think I'd start getting choked up. It is a really sad story, but I think it's an it's, it's an important it, one to tell. Good to tell it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and remind us of you know what happened and yeah. And it, people are still going through the grief and mm-hmm. yeah, it's happening. So eleven years later, um, you have to imagine it, that any earthquake that they have had since, they have to have it in the back of their mind. Like, is this going to be another one? Like. Mm-hmm. 2011 is this why even if they are used to it you have to know that they're like oh my god is it gonna happen again that has to be terrifying way to live i, I don't i don't know i just i can't even imagine it I think it's awful. well and i know that a lot of the places people live they don't they are gone like they they the town yeah. completely like moved if not if they're even still in that same area. Right, yeah. And then they built up, like, the walls way mm-hmm. higher now, yeah. too. But to try to <clears throat> keep it from... In case anything like that happened again, yeah. But it's still... Yeah. How I don't know how people could go back to living in those same areas, but... I, I mean, I guess you have your attachment to what you have. Yeah. You know, to what you know. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, think of how we would feel if, if you know, Phoenix or... Raleigh are just blown off the map. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, it would be mm-hmm. devastating. So all of that collective energy and shock and horror and grief. It's bound well, to... And a lot of people went and found the loved ones that they were looking for themselves. Yeah. I don't know and if I could do that. Their... Koi probably. Um, I could probably go and look for him. I couldn't bear the idea of him being lost anywhere. Yeah, there's so many stories of people um, that went back to their houses and found yeah their families, or went looking at the schools, or you know, oh god, they, those parents they were for their yes. own families because they weren't, there weren't. Um, it took time to get to mobilize people to come help because it was right. The, the yeah. devastation was so intense. Yeah, um, it was really hard to get people in there to move. You know, I mean, yeah. where do you start? Exactly. So people yeah. were out looking for their own. Just so sad. Families, as you would do. You know? Of course, I yes. would do that. I mean, I would go looking to see if I could find my family, and mm-hmm. yeah. So there's all that too. I mean, it's just it compounds on the sadness and the yeah the ghost. But I found the the phenomena interesting. Mm-hmm. So many people having this collective experience. I think yeah, and I, I really do. I kind of I really do like the way that he had put it where. You know, it's not uncommon for fellow survivors of catastrophic loss and dislocation to have common reactions. Um, And ghosts, for some, are more tolerable than the void created by death. And I think that Mm -hmm. I I think that there's there are a lot of folks that that probably that probably feel that way, even though ghosts are real. Um, (laughs) 
And um, you always want to be careful of those paranormal sightings. <laughs> the fooky spiggers or whatever. The, well, <laughs> the fooky spiggers. <laughs> what? This is what happens, figures. guys, when I don't drink wine on the show. Um, but as we say here, words are hard. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't... Um, I, Again, guys, I haven't, I can't find the strange history book, so we're not going to have any strange history today. Um, I could read you a recipe from my fucking seriously. I could read you a recipe from my new Bon Appetit magazine that Laura got me for my birthday, or um, uh, yeah, I don't have it. So anyway, Laura, why don't you just let these fools know where they can find us if I can find the thing where it tells them. I give up. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HOAH Podcast. And on the TikTok at HOAH Podcast, at HOAH Carrie, and at HOAH Coast Laura. And that is that on that. Thank you so much for listening to our Paranormal Podcast. And uh, <laughs> we actually, though, you know what, Laura, we dropped two episodes on these fun fun folks this week we did mm-hmm. the recap of st albans and we did haunted bisbee which is um our little buddy group with entity voices paranormal evidence mm-hmm. yeah that was a real fun super one fun. super super fun one um although by the time this episode comes out it's actually the 16th of april and we're recording on april 3rd laura and i are getting ahead mm-hmm. It's it's great. It's great. We're getting ahead of stuff. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed For Andrea months. Perrin. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Hope you enjoyed Andrea Perrin. We had a really wonderful conversation with her. Love her very much. And um, she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really great. We enjoyed that one a lot. Follow her. Watch her show. Buy her books. Buy her books. Wonderful. Do all of that stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we are quite ahead of the game. Goodness gracious. Okay. Yeah, yes. Quit bragging. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. We love you. And as we say, uh, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening or listening. watching or that's a bad picture. What the hell? Why did you put that on? I, I, I hit a button wrong. I'm sorry. I, I'm just going to go get a glass of wine because clearly I can't function without one. <laughs> Bye. Jesus, guys. Bye.